This is uh, Richie Wexler of Vintage Endless Archive. This is our offshoot podcast called Pelt a Minx Podcast. Um, I got the pleasure and honor of talking to about 15 or 16 people involved with uh, Minx. It show blew me away. Uh, love season one, love season two. And, you know, I really went all over the place to really understand the show. We talked to the sound department. We talked to Ellen, the creator. We talked to a bunch of the actors. We talked to people doing prosthetics, makeup, all kinds of people, some fans. Uh, it was one, a great experience. We at the, at the end of the day, we'll have about 15 episodes out. And this is episode 12. This is with, um, essentially called Behind the Scenes, um, Levi Vieira, makeup artist, Zee Graham, makeup artist, and Jason Collins, who did prosthetics in season two um, from a company called Autonomous FX. So we got to talk to each one about 20, 30 minutes, uh, and I'm really happy for you to listen to it. Again, if you have not watched Minx Season 1 or Season 2, Get Stars is pretty cheap for the first few months. One of the best shows I've ever seen. The research that went into this, if you listen to the podcast, you will hear, is insane. Uh, They could have done like a 15-part documentary on the 70s with the amount that they they went went into, the, the knowledge that went into this uh, show, so please enjoy. I know you're in makeup. I don't know exactly what aspect. Uh, Carly's department had, and it was her own paper. Her co-department had, but in 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 reality, it's you know it's her vision, her design, and then. I was responsible for uh, Bambi, uh, Jessica's character, and uh, uh, Elizabeth Perkins' character. Both of them very delightful to work with. I, I, worked, with Jessica, I worked with Jessica on both uh, seasons, uh, the first and the second season. Carly had a, 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 an idea in mind or a concept of, of all the looks, and then you know we talked a little bit, and then we came up with a few different looks for Bambi. Uh, she's mainly you know, classic California golden 70s. She's tan and she's glowing, you know, she's full of life and she's she's lashes and she's like somewhat of a soft glamour, you know, and her costumes are amazing and very uh, revealing. You know, she's a, a former model and, and her character's funny as as hell. And, you know, I'm, I'm biased because I love her. <laughs> so even, you know, even though Carly, I mean, Carly's vision is insane and amazing. Like she... It, it, she can, she just, it seemed like I talked to her, I interviewed Carly and it seems like she has the ability to kind of keep all this in her head, which is amazing. And the level, the level of research that she goes to is just incredible. You know, she really pours her heart into it. And oh, yeah. she does so much research and, you know, and it's amazing. So what the I want to ask, the, what I want to ask with, within, within her leadership, where did you really get to shine? Where did you really get to play around? She uh, she she tells me what what she wants and she lets me do my thing because I am uh, my stronger suit is beauty makeup, right? Because of course there were prosthetics involved and and which is everybody goes did you do the prosthetics like no I'm a, you know more into the, <laughs> the beauty side of it. Yeah, Jessica really was my baby. We we came up with uh with the looks for her and you know we wanted her to have a flawless 
glowy skin. Uh, everything you see on Bambi is makeup. Her full body is makeup. What do you mean? Like she's her whole body is just makeup? Her her tanning is all makeup. She's uh, yeah. We did uh, every single day. Uh, you take me in the first season. I was re responsible for Oscar. This season, uh, because we had Elizabeth, which is another big character, uh, Sue Sinclair, who is very talented. She's her. I call her the beard wizard. But she's so good with fake beards. Uh, I have learned a lot from her. Sue is amazing. Uh, so she took care of Oscar. But on the first season, I was mainly responsible for both of them. And then Eve, I, I worked at them at the same time, kind of, because I would start with Jessica's face. And then she would go to get hair done. And then I'll get Oscar and do his cover his tattoos. He has full sleeves, both arms, which cover. Oh, really? And, okay. Yeah. And then Jessica would come back to me and would know where the hair was and all of that and do her full body makeup depending on the costumes. So sometimes, depending what she was wearing, she would put on the costumes first. She was wearing white. We'd do the makeup first and make sure that it was dry. <laughs> so it wouldn't transfer, you know, because we decided it was better than have her spray tan. When, when an actor spray tan, the, uh, it's easier in the first days, but then when they start coming off and in patches, it's a little more complicated and it just ends up being easy to just do full makeup every day. So we do her full body with the, Sometimes we do with a little airbrush and other times we do with the puff. And at the end of the day, you have to take that all off. She removed the hair and it'll come see me and remove the whole body makeup. I'm curious how you got into makeup. Was that something that you, you know, I don't know, was always there? And I'm, and then I'm also curious if like the seventies is your favorite kind of, or are there other decades that you really gravitate towards? Okay. Well, it, I was talking about this this week about how I became a makeup artist uh, before. When I was a new immigrant, I'm from Brazil. My accent, my accent, I have given it away a little bit. I used to be in a, a nurse's aide in the, in the facility in Cape Cod with Alzheimer's patients, and it was it was it was challenging but very rewarding. And part of my job was actually do their makeup, nothing like we do in Hollywood, right? But just a little uh, lipstick, a little bit of powder, and comb their hair. And I realized how it made them feel. How even people, when, you know, in the hurricane of Alzheimer's, when we had a hairstylist coming in, they would be super excited. And, you know, they just, they loved it. And I like, I like that, how it made a difference on people's lives. You know, and uh, eventually when I decided to stay here and then I was like, what am I going to do? I can do anything. It's like, oh my God, I'd love to be a singer, but I can't sing. I suck at it. I love music, but I'm terrible. And I wanted to do something that I had fun in my job and something that I would like to do. And, but I had no idea if I could actually do makeup. So I, I went to school for esthetician, which is mainly on skincare and facials and all of that. But I'm too loud <laughs> to work in a spa. And then there I got to put my hands on makeup and I fell in love. Uh, and it's been almost 20 years and I'm still doing it. And like um, in, over, in your overall career, is it mostly, you know, is it all, is it like, is it all kinds of makeup? Is it like, you know effects makeup or is it mostly like this kind of makeup what they call beauty or, or straight makeup it's i mean I, I have done some minimal you know uh some special effects but nothing crazy you know like full prosthetics i i i'm always talking about learning because i find it fascinating and it's very interesting you know when you you do beautiful beauty makeup for a makeup artist you're like wow that's flawless look at the blending look at the eyes look at the lashes and symmetry 
But for most people, they're like, yeah, she look good. And you do one little cut with blood, then people go, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> the valid validation is way bigger with special effects. <laughs> Talking about makeup overall, are there certain, like, I mean, in your own taste, are there certain decades that you're more drawn to? Oh yes, I love 60s makeup. Yeah. 1960s is just, it, it's probably my favorite. Because uh, 70s is almost a little bit more on the natural side, though we got to play with a little bit of glamour. Uh, most of my job is uh, filming and TV, and it's most of the makeup we do, it's very natural. Like, there are a few times that I worked on, on The Voice that we got to do some crazy makeup or, you know, or 1980s movies or film that, we, you know, we got to do some more dramatic stuff. We got to play a little bit. Uh, but most of the time is natural. But 60s, depending on where in the 60s, we get to do the cat eye and the crazy eyeshadows and big old lashes, you know, and big hair and it's everything big. And it's, I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's exciting. Are there certain projects that you've worked on that have done, have worked mainly in the 60s over in your career? Uh, I've done, a, back in the day, a few uh, America's, Next Top, America's Next Top Models. I, I, I worked in a few episodes of that. We did some 60s makeup. I think Minx is starting in the late 60s, the first season, I don't remember. But we did very natural. There was other episodes, uh, other shows that I worked there was 60s. I'm going to remember now. Like, what was it? <laughs> I know I did a lot back in... Uh, when I worked in fashion too, I've done a, a few, you know, photo shoots and things like that, but uh, definitely America's Next Top Model had to do some crazy cat eyes. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I was curious if you can speak on it at all about how the different departments kind of work. I mean, it seems like with Carly's leadership, there's a lot of different departments going on. I was curious how the departments kind of work together, if you can speak on that. We worked very close with hair in costumes, right? Makeup, I always, uh, it, I always say that because we all, all go hand in hand because depending on what she's wearing or how the hair is gonna be, it, it all has to come together, you know? Because if the makeup is crazy glimmers and she's wearing something very simple and the hair is simple, it, it, you know, everybody has to be on the same page. So, and not only on minks, but I speak from, you know, mainly most of the productions, uh, you know, we kind of have to work together. And we also normally sit together watching the monitor. Uh, the department heads, you know, exchange a lot of ideas. And for us, department head of hair was Chris Fulton, who's very talented and fun very funny. And Carly and Carly and him talked about it and decided, you know, her hair is going to be like this. But of course, we don't cross the lines, right? I don't tell hair what they should do. And they don't tell us what we should do because, you know, it's crossing a line but we work together. So like, hey, Chris, how, how, you know, what are you doing for Bambi's hair? You know, of course, a lot of the times we decide that on tests, depending on the show, you know, before we shoot. And then you already know, uh, or when I was responsible for Oscar, uh, his costumes would determine whether or not I had to cover his tattoos. You know, like, he's, is he wearing sleeves? Oh, great. So I only need 15 minutes, you know, out with his beard, which is his own beard, shave and you'll be good to go. But most of the time on the first season, he was wearing a lot of vests. So we had to cover full tattoos and then it was an hour and a half. So, so yeah, so all the departments end up working together in that sense. Um, I'm curious, uh, it just seemed like, I mean, this is the first conversation I've had that didn't involve the word penis, which I'm very happy about. It's, I'm fine with, I'm fine with, you know, I'm fine having this be part of it, but this is the one I'm like, oh, like, like, you know, I'm like, I think I've talked a little, I've heard it. 
you know, I can't, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard about pubes and I'm like, maybe, you know, maybe it's today. I'm, you know, but I'm cur- I'm curious on just stories you have, you know, I feel like, you know, it's to me, it's important to everyone, you know, the people that are behind the scenes to me are just as important as the people that are in the, sh- that, are, that are actors and everything else. And I'd like to really tell the story with, you know, all these different things. People do get curious about it because it's like, you know, it, it, it's different, right? And then they're like, oh, those are prosthetic penises? You know, I mean, I had to, for the first time in my career, I had to lay a mark in <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a model. She was very nice, of course, when you're set. And it, you know, you switch to professional mode. And I, I am personally, because I have this background in working in a nursing home, very comfortable with the human body, nothing bothers me. You know what I mean? I had to literally bathe people and shave them, and, you know, and so I'm, I'm fine with that. And besides, I used to go to Burning Man, so nothing, you know, really bothers me. So I'm, I think what's important is making uh, the model, the talent feel comfortable, you know, let them do their own thing. And then we, uh, Carly had reference pictures of how she wanted the pubic hair to look because she wanted to look real. And it was 1970s, so people had more pubic hair than they do today, you know, so to speak. So yeah, she is really that, throw with her research and she goes, look, this is how it was in the seventies. And that's how we, you know, it should be. So it looks real, you know what I mean? So I had, we did a model and she asked me, are you comfortable? It's like, oh, absolutely. You know, it's all fine. So we actually, uh, they make him like a, a pubic hair wig that's called a marking and we, we cut it and in the shape. And then when we lay just the the piece didn't look real. So we actually had to lay some pubic hair around it to fade it into the skin so oh it looked real. Yeah, they had to do it on a, on a female model in the first season and it had to do on a guy on the uh, on this season. I'm just curious on anything you want to share. I feel like, you know, in thinking about different departments and people behind the scenes, I feel like behind the scenes people have better stories usually than, <laughs> than or, or at least or at least they can share them without it getting too, in too much trouble. Is there anything you're willing to share? I'm trying to think about it. I mean, it was, this was definitely one of my favorite jobs because the vibe was just, you know, and we all worked together and it was shot in the summer. It was crazy hot for the first season. We were shooting in La Cañada. It was like a hundred degrees and, you know, and make sure everybody looked great. And Jessica's wearing white with all that makeup and, you know, and they all looked fabulous. And, and Richard had his, I mean, he had his platform shoes with a little fish swimming inside and, and people love that. Uh, I love the, the, the little viewers of the videos that Jessica and him always, you know, they're, they're often dancing and it, the vibe was just great. You know, it was just such a, uh, we worked hard, don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? We had, uh, during the pandemic, we're shooting with masks and all these guys had sideburns and they're all fake. So the masks would mess them all up. So we had to come up with, you know, with the, uh, it's like, this is not going to work. So we end up giving them neck extensions. So the mask would go down behind their necks. So we would have messed up the sideburns, you know, and because we want them to look real, you know, even when we had like a big, you know, riot, or, you know, or had fire and all of that craziness, every single person, every background, they barely even see on the screen. If they happen to do a close up, they look 1970s. It was, you know, Makeup, hair, costumes. And you, were, you worked in both seasons, so I guess I'm curious if you, as much as you can tell me is, in terms of the, I don't know, I don't know if just the makeup or in terms of the, the I'm curious in terms of the styles and the looks, if there was any shift really from season one to season two, 
in in the style you know i mean it it's a year later correct if i'm not yeah, mistaken it's, i mean it's uh, a little bit later but it's kind of still in the same family you know what i mean depending on the if they have an event or anything just like on the first season the makeup sometimes go up sometimes go down uh like when they had the one part in the hollywood hills that we had you know for the first time we did blue eyes shadow for jessica on the first season you know and it was a way more glam that she was on because she would normally be like golden and bronzes you know like Golden Hornish, you know, but for that event, we had big blue white shadow, you know. So it's kind of like around the same idea. Depending on what's happening in the story, of course, you have to adjust the makeup a little bit here and there, but it's all, as, as Carly say, in the same world. I love when she says that, in the same world. She talked a little bit about arcs. I thought it was interesting on how some of the character arcs would be kind of communicated by changing the makeup arcs. And I'm just curious if in, in your work with Bambi or anyone else, if you, you know, if you kind of, you know, saw that where you're, 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 you're kind of changing the, you're, you're changing it, shifting, you know, I mean, you might have a character that goes from being really sad to being happy. And then there's, and I just, I, and I'm just curious to speak, if you could speak on any arcs, any of the arcs you kind of worked on and how it was expressed in makeup, if you can. I think the, we had the big at least for, for my character, for, for Jessica, like it was only the, you know, the big change for the big glamour night. But most of the time she was about the same. And uh, Tina always gorgeous. And, and, and uh, Ophelia was, I, she, her American accent is so good that when I first came into the show, She's Carly's uh, actress. I had no idea she wasn't American. Yeah, she, she really <laughs> she, pulls the yeah, accent out. She's amazing. Like she, she was talking the trailer in, in, in British accent, like, Wait, what? <laughs> so good. I mean, I can't, I can't get rid of my accent even if I tried. <laughs> I thought it was amazing. Like, you know, blew me away. And when she was amazingly nice. Everybody's just so great. You know, it was a wonderful experience. Yeah. It seemed like Shelly had the most transformation in makeup. She is in, so in her, funny. <laughs> in her arc. I'm curious, just in terms of makeup, like what was, did you, I mean, I don't know. There, you know, maybe, maybe it's also just the scene where she's, taking a photo of her but yeah she's i mean i don't know i, I fell in love with the show a year ago especially during covid because um that's you know, true I, I forgot i forgot about this scene. we had a horse on set that was crazy yeah and shelly looked stunning sue sinclair did her makeup and she looked so beautiful so so beautiful and it was like wow amazing because you know she comes from being a pasadena housewife you know and in her fantasy she's all this beautiful gorgeous lady and it, it was great, you know, <laughs> their horse. <laughs> that's a that's that's a brilliant scene of just connecting like reality in dream life and going back and forth. Um, the writing on the show is pretty amazing, you know. I hope we get another season. It'll be awesome. <laughs> I was reading something today about how they really want to go to the 80s and how they'd have to have 12 seasons. And I'm like, honestly, oh, wow. I feel like if any show... <laughs> jump in time. <laughs> yeah, I think... I'd watch 12 seasons um, easily, but I think, I don't know. I mean, it'd be great. Um, uh, but yeah, they might have to, they might have to I'm skip all, a little I'm bit. I'm all for 80s makeup is a lot of fun. <laughs> I would love the show. This show is, I, I, you know, learning about everybody, but especially like, I feel like understanding uh, how Ellen works and how she, Ellen made everyone feel at home, understanding how much Carly really brought to the table, understanding how much was done like yourself and everybody else to keep everybody feeling safe. And you could, and, you, and it reads. They, and they made sure that all the models on set, because we, you know, we had some of the, uh, the featured background ladies, they often were topless. And we had a intimacy coordinator on set 
uh, they, if you didn't have to be on set, you know, they would make sure everybody was out. They really filmed this in the most respectful way, you know, and in, in respecting uh, the talent and the crew. And it was really beautifully done. And, you know, as maybe a little, you know, as, as much as they show on the show, you know, they filmed in a very respectful way and then everybody felt safe. And especially, you know, now when Hollywood's all about, you know, oh my God, you know, me too, this and that, but it was amazing. It felt incredible and it was awesome. And I was reading about casting and it seemed like they really did a good job of just hiring, honestly, down to earth, kind people who really were happy to be there. And I think, you know, to me, the, the, the authenticity really shows through the show because you can tell that the, the set was a good, I can tell that the set was a good place to be while watching the show because you don't, you couldn't get that kind of camaraderie if it wasn't a safe place. The vibe was great. It was, you know, because often people waiting for their scenes and it was spent, you know, 12, 13 hours together. And it, there's often, there's a cast member that's like, oh my God, she's so difficult. You know, she doesn't get along with anybody else. This was not the case. I mean, you know, they'll laugh and, and, and they'll sit there and talk and, you know, be in their costume sometimes waiting. And it was awesome. Hey, Z. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Good. Are you British? Yep. I hear a little British accent, right? Are you British? Uh, yeah, I'm actually from Belfast. Nice. So I'm from you know, Belfast, in Northern oh, Ireland. Oh, Belfast. Okay. Ireland. Okay. Ireland. Yeah. Well, all right. So it's not the same. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I thought if you're British, I thought you would have a connect. The Muppets were made there. So anyway, but it felt like the, the kindness, there's a kindness in the show, even though characters have a lot of conflict and it just really, there's not a lot of shows that are just like about people like who generally like each other trying to work together, even if they have conflict. And it just spoke to me in a way of like, we need kindness right now in the world. And it was really, really great to take in. I could not agree more. And I also really loved how I loved every single character. Yeah. Like after I watched the first season before I started, I didn't do the first season. I only did the second season. Okay. Um, so I had to watch it in a weekend. Yeah. And uh, I, I was obsessed. Yeah. From from the second I watched it, I obsessed. Like I would come home after work and watch it. Oh, I mean, I've watched it four. I'm going to watch it again. Just I think I've watched it four times. It was I was really sad when it was off the air for a while, um, yeah. and then I was really happy that it got back on. I, it was, you know, it was really I don't know. I'm. It seems like these streaming platforms are just doing a lot of nonsense about money that doesn't make any sense, and it was really like ridiculous that they would take off the show out of nowhere and then it didn't have a home and then while it was like being made of a second season like what kind oh, of idiot it was the first day of the shooting that they announced it and yeah. i don't think anybody that they were announcing it so it kind of like arrived on deadline and uh we were putting everybody through the works that morning and yeah. you know they gather you all in and they were like we're absolutely finishing the season and we will find a new home because we're great yeah, and I was so happy it did. It just seemed like, you know, I mean, that happens to a lot of shows, and it just seems like it's just some corporate person who has no clue about artistry or understands, like, what, I mean, that's ma that show is magic in a bottle. Whether it ever makes money or not, it's, 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 it's an amazing fucking show, 
and it sucks when it's judged by like, well, it only got blah, 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 streams. And, you know, when people are cutting this stuff down because it doesn't have numbers, it's just fucking ridiculous. And I don't know, just, you know, I'm glad it seems like stars is taking care of it, which is great to hear. I've actually paid for stars in advance for a few months just to kind of give it some support because <laughs> I wanted to be ready to, you know, watch the old stuff and then see the new stuff. Stars is, they seem to be spending some money on advertising. Carly sent me a picture the other day and it's a building covered in a an ad for Minx season two. Um, so that's super exciting. And I do think, I th- you know, I mean, I don't know. I remember like hearing about Seinfeld. Apparently the first three seasons did horrible. Like you need to give shows oh, really? a time a time to kind of get its, you know, get its audience. And, you know, I think Mix, like I'm surprised how many people don't know the show. I'm also surprised when I do find people that know it, how much they love it. It's, it's kind of like either you don't know it or you love it. It's interesting that you say that because we have a band of background that are the work in the office at Minx. Okay. And um, they are the most dedicated bunch of minstrels that I have come across. <laughs> they're all amazing. They're super characters. Um, they, they're early for work. They're ready to work. They're excited to work because they love the show. When you say that, do you mean background actors or do you mean people working? Uh, background on- actors. Background actors. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah. it's, it's the biggest show I've ever worked on. It's in, it's, it's a huge show. Like I was surprised at the size of it. What do you mean by huge? When you say that, what do you mean by this the amount of, when you walk into a base camp and you see the size of the makeup trailer and that there are two of them. Um, so we had, we had two makeup trailers, two hair trailers, you know, trailers for all the actors. Like it's a big show. We, we take up space and also, like our background numbers are not small. We were doing, you know, between 150 and 250 background, full hair, full makeup. Yeah. Would take hours, hours um, to get them ready, to send them to set. And and they were also amazing. Do you know what I mean? Like That really helps support the world. Not only does it help support the world of the show, but it helps make everybody feel welcome at home. You're not just some extra being thrown on some shitty wig and told to, you know, not, you know, kind of hide behind people. Um, yeah, no, we had a lot of repeat performers. As I said, the the crew, the gang that are in the office, they have done both seasons and they're and they're just they're just magical. I'm looking for stories to kind of pepper in over the episode. Just any stories, you know, again, like um my podcast is, you know, I, we don't really have many uh, advertisers, so it can be kind of raunchy. I mean, I, you know, we're basing basing this episode a lot on like dicks and, I mean, you know, we're just, we can talk about anything. There's, you don't need to like. So I'm allowed to call her the pube queen? Any, you know, as long as she won't get mad at me, you can call her the pube <laughs> queen. <laughs> what, you know, how did you find out? How did you get involved with the show? How did you find out that you were, you were brought on? What, how did that happen? And then, you know, from there, like what? What excited you about working in this in, the, in this time frame, essentially? I've known Carly for years. It, it's funny. Makeup is a funny world. You you go on a show and you see the same people for X amount of years and you don't see anybody. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, I, I hadn't seen her for a while. We ended up doing background uh, this summer on All American. <laughs> we just have a wild time together. We're, yeah. She's so much fun. We work in a very similar manner. We think in a very similar manner. Um. Do you know what I mean? We we have a, a strong attention to detail, but we're fast. Yeah. And, and okay. I really like I really like the pace that she goes at because it it you have to go you have to move quickly on things. There's 
yeah. so many things going on at the same time. So we we could be shooting some scenes, but preparing actors for other scenes and also shooting the magazine shoots all on the same day. Yeah. Mad genius. While we have never, I have never worked really for her in the capacity of being the background uh, supervisor. Uh, I, I felt that she and I communicated really, you know, like she's super. So that was, familiar. that was your job, the background supervisor? Yeah. So what does I that ran... mean for someone who doesn't know makeup? What does that mean? Okay. So we have a whole trailer devoted to background hair and makeup. Background supervisor. I get it. Okay. Yeah. So, and it, it involves Carly and I, Carly does a lot of the hiring. I mean, we were hiring, you know, between 15 and 28 makeup artists a day. Oh my God. Times. Um, and, but then there were other days than that where there were just two of us. Yeah. Um, so it really depends on, it all depends on the amount of background that you have coming in. I gotcha. And they're all big makeups. Do you know what I mean? We're not, it, because it's not modern day, <clears throat> you're, you're really relying on your makeup artists to bring out that, you know, 1970s feel. <laughs> and I had a band. When, when we got everybody together in the morning, um, we have like a little chit chat about what we're doing that day, where we're at, what yeah. the vibe is, all of that kind of stuff. And they're only allowed to do one blue eyeshadow. Per, okay. per makeup artist is only allowed to do one blue eyeshadow because if you let them do their own thing, you get a sea of blue. Right, right, right. So like, it, it's funny after the first kind of big background day, I, I my learning curve was like at a 90 degree angle. Um, and I, I learned a lot. How, how much freedom did you have within in that? I guess I'm, I'm curious. Very strict parameters. No facial. It, this sounds like it's nothing, but it is the biggest fucking thing in my life. Okay. Um, facial piercings. Facial piercings, those ridiculous eyelashes that sometimes look fabulous, but quite frankly, often look ghastly. Acrylic nails that could be doubling up as a screwdriver. So we, we don't want to see any of that. The beautiful thing about minks is like staying true to those muted colors, that kind of fall palette. There is a softness to that air, that that end of the 70s. Do you know what I mean? Like we're in the beginning of the 70s. There There is like a real softness coming out of the the 60s and the graphic eyeliner. I feel like that there is a part of the 70s where we got kind of really soft and it got very pretty and the blush yeah. was very pretty. And then we move on to disco, which I am, I hope we get season three because I am ready for that. <laughs> yeah. And if we can segue, I just want to hear, I don't know. I'm curious on stories. I'm curious on interactions with actors or I don't know, like, you know, anything that any funny things, any, just, just your, your, your experience in there. Any, any, any stories that you're happy to share? I mean, it, could, it doesn't have to be necessarily doing the direct work. It could just be on being, you know, getting to know people on the set, being part of the set, being in that world, like whatever angle it is for you, it doesn't have to just be tied directly to your work. Um, for, for me, I was very much in, because of being in the background, that was very much where my focus was. Yeah. I mean, we had interesting, definitely had some interesting days of pubes and the fact that <laughs> okay, nobody we, has any. Okay, we got a, we got a, yeah, interesting days of pubes is a great start. So let me hear about the interesting days of pubes. I, I'm going to call it pube gate. Pube gate? <laughs> no, that makes it sound like it was a, a disaster. It really wasn't. 
Well, and I mean, in, part, in, in the conversation, like Carly talks about texting um, with, um, I'm forgetting uh, uh, the main creator. I'm very tired and forgetting the main creator's name. Ellen? Ellen about like, Ellen? oh, it's too much pubes. It's not enough pubes. Like having these deep, you know, intensive interactions and conversations around pubes, Wait, which is the, amazing. The, conver- the, pube, the pube conversations I have had with her are ridiculous. Ridiculous in the fact that they're so freaking funny. There was a day where we had a lot of male nudity. Okay. And you're definitely, you know, dealing with a lot of actors and also men who are willing to be naked on film. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you can throw a rock and find them. They right. they need to be, there's a certain level of comfort that they need to have yeah. and um, all of that. So you're getting that a character. Um, we got, I think my call time was 3.30 in the morning. Oh my God. And it was in Koreatown in a church parking lot. Okay. And I know I need on my on my list. I know I have got to have these private rooms. Like it can't be like a big tent. I cannot have these poor men naked right. with women applying or not women makeup applying hair to their crotchal areas and not have privacy. Do you know what right. I mean? Like they, I I have to make these people comfortable. Anyway, there is a big tent. There is no little tents. So the first panic of the day is getting sides put into these tents. And also it's 3.30 in the morning and we're like on a main road. So not you're only out, would You're they outside? Be, yeah, in a parking lot, church parking lot. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> in, in Koreatown, awesome. so Korean church parking lot. So I have this row of tents that can be made individual. They just have not been. So we're scrambling at 3.30 in the morning trying to get the locations guy, who was my nemesis, uh, oh, no. to come and put the sides on the tent so I can get these gentlemen into makeup and, you know, in and into hair, basically, because I was unsure how they were going to come. You know, like, would they be freshly shaved or are they au natural? It's apparently very fashionable in West Hollywood right now to be pretty hairy. Thanks, of course. So a lot of them came and they were bushy and that was exactly what we were looking for. Right, right. But the actual finding of people who have got experience doing that, you're, you're narrowed down to, you know, a certain amount of people and then understanding hair growth patterns and... Like like Carly's saying, how much pubic should there be? Like, right. and, and making sure everybody is not the same, understanding their eth- ethnicity. <laughs> so we would get them to take a picture, kind of like just above the hairline uh, on on the penis, like no penis shots above right, just that. The, right. This poor man looked like he had a pair of hairy coconuts on. He what? Like it was a coconut. It, it was a hair coconut bra. We we had them take it off, but it was just it was just one of those moments where I was like, oh god, I'm You're talking about his on his balls. No, 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 on his chest. Oh, he was. Oh, okay. Hair. I was like, was he this, was a very was like is that some kind of imp or something? Muscular gentleman right. with a very hot abs, and honestly, I you know I understand why he was shaved because he wanted everybody to see his how much right. he had worked. Um. 
and I think we just ended up doing like a little dusting down the middle, you know, yeah. just, just, you know, for a little bit of, de- it actually helps with your, you know, if you're trying to do muscular definition, a little line of hair down, down the middle of the cleavage just gives you that extra. What's that, what's that thing called? Like there's a name for when you get that muscle. What's, what's that like the, not the, oh, what's it called? It's got a name. The pelvic, got, that pelvic thing. If there's a name that's a little more like, um, I, I know what you mean. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But, um, but, um, it, it's funny. Like yeah. when I was talking, talking the other day to Carly, it was like, you know, I mean, I joke as, as someone who was born in the seventies, like, I can't tell you I've ever really thought about pube fashion in my life. I've never really been like, oh yes, I must go with nineties pubes. Like, you know, like, I don't know if that's just me or like, I'm not really one to groom, you know, I mean, I groom, but I'm not like in the, you know, I mean, I'm not like manscaping now, but I just think it's funny that there's like this, you know, when you think about it, there is this, you know, this, you could map it out of like how pubes have changed over the Absolutely. last 50 years, Absolutely. which is insane. And also like thinking about like, I'm sure there's people that like, try to figure out what happens, what's going to happen next in pubes? Like what's, what, what are the, you know, 2030 is going to be like, you know what I mean? It'll just be like fashion. It will just cycle around and around and around. One day it'll be hairy. The next day we'll be like no hair. You know, we're talking a lot about dicks. I mean, it's, it's impossible to even like, it's, it's been impossible to have any interviews with anybody without bringing up dicks, which is great. I mean, it, it, it pretty much is impossible to talk about our show without dicks which is which is you know which is i do think it's kind of i think underlying it's why it has popularity because you know it's such a rare it's such a taboo thing in a lot of ways you know yet it's ridiculous because you know i don't know it's like kind of ridiculous that there's not more of that out there because it doesn't it doesn't make sense in terms of nudity in terms of how it's been through the culture um and and i think in the 70s it was more it was it was normalized to a certain extent which, and it's much, it's much weird more. to me to think just culturally that we got to think about offending people 50 fucking years later. It's wild, isn't it? And also, like, even if you think about movies in the 80s, everybody was topless. Yeah. Everybody was topless. You, I, I, I mean, I cannot imagine anyone agreeing to do that these days. One of my favorite all-time movies is, is um, Valley Girl. I never <laughs> saw it. Honestly, my, I'm, it's my biggest obsession. And I remember uh, getting like the new, I don't know, the new like Blu-ray and it had an interview with the director and they literally had to include five boobs to get money to make the movie. Like movies had had requirements of a certain amount of boobs. Yeah. I mean, I cannot imagine even trying to trying to find somebody who would explain that <laughs> today. For decades, you have to have boobs. And yet, you know, penises are off limits. Sorry, you know, we can't do that. Like, what's the fucking difference? Do you think Minx has been a leader of opening up more dicks <laughs> that show really you know looking back at culture that show really brought the dicks back <laughs> it really brought and, and i think we're bringing dicks to a whole new level in season two. like there there are a couple of things that go on where you're just like what the hell Tell, i'm curious if you can speak of it without getting yourself in trouble like what's the you know again i what i liked about hearing about the first season is i didn't know that that first opening scene was mostly people without prosthetics if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I but I think the rule is if the dick talks, like if the dick has speaking lines in the script, not the dick. Yeah. Um, so what is the diff? What's the difference? I mean, if I'm just kind of a rash, it's hard to ask this question because it's making me laugh. But I'm curious on how dicks were kind of handled. And I mean, I don't. I mean, it's a professional question, but it's hard not to giggle. What's the difference in how like genitals were handled? Male genitals were handled. <laughs> Oh man, I'm making it well, worse as I speak. Well, very carefully, obviously, but they they give 
them a little pouch to put them in. Like there's this little kind of bag with a drawstring. And um, if they want to wear that, they can. Nobody is forcing anyone to do anything. Yeah. You're understanding as a makeup artist that if you've taken the job for that day, you will be handling penises and there is no handling charge. Like it's the same <laughs> price. So, I'm going to call this segment handling penises, just so you know. <laughs> um, it's the same price. There is no handling charge for that. I have a, I have a friend who's a tattoo artist. He straight up charges $500 for touching it. Yeah. Like if you're going to make her touch it, you are paying for it. Yeah. So if, if you're having anything tattooed on your willy, it is $500 and then. I don't, you know, I like, I have tattoos all over, but there's certain areas that I I'm, I don't need tattoos on. Well, I, I, I understand a lot of barbers have had them turned into barber poles. Bar oh my God. I might make a little like two dots and a little happy face so that it's smiling. But otherwise that's going to hurt. I don't want anything more than like three seconds. Cause that's going to. Yeah, no, I mean, I, she, she does tell a funny story about tattooing them and how, you know, they're all gung ho in the beginning and about 30 seconds into it, it's over. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's everything, all the fight has gone. You know, as someone who worked in the show, what's something to look forward to in season two in any capacity that you want to speak of or in any capacity you worked in or in, anything you want to talk about? What's what's the exciting thing? What's what's what are you excited about for season two for people to see? The new there's a there's a new actress who I have, I mean, is in love with since the beginning of time. The right thing. But Elizabeth, it's Elizabeth Perkins. I, I mean, honestly, does it get any better? She was in big, right? Speaking of dick, she was in. Speaking of penis film, she was she, in big. She, she was in big, but also, uh, have you ever seen weeds? Which one? Weeds. Weeds. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I like that show. She, she was the the best friend. She turned into a drug addict. And I know she was in like all the like eighties. I think she was in. Um, oh, I, I think she was them. like she was like not part of their Brack Pack officially, but very connected to them. I want to say adjacent, like 80s movies for me are yeah. the best. Yeah. What's your, which um, one of your favorite 80s movies? I mean, if we're talking about the girls stuff, like Girls Just Want to Have Fun was like the, one of the first American films I think I yeah. ever saw. And um, I was, that was it for me. I wanted to come to America. I think I have to give Summer School, though, an honorable mention. Summer School, yeah, 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 yeah. Especially for a makeup person, right? I mean, honestly, that, yeah. I mean, for me, that was where makeup came into play a lot there were some pretty dark ones i feel as yeah. well there were all right i gotta run but it was great talking to you you know we did like four again we by the time this goes out we'll have done five interviews with people in minx which i, I try to get everybody but it, i didn't i didn't it wasn't gonna work yet but i feel like if i if there's another season i might be, might be able to get the whole cast at some point okay and they're they're all they're all super lovely super super i mean adore ophelia and uh i mean we i think at one point put them all in a Hulkin. I don't know if you got if you know what a Hulkin is. All makeup artists have them. They're these enormous back nails. And I'm pretty sure if you look on Carly's Instagram page, there is a picture of Ophelia in the Hulkin being dragged across the four corners. Oh my God. What was really what was very clear to me, and I'm happy, like, I don't know, I trust my my instinct intuition, but it was really clear to me that that apparently everybody, you know, the, 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 the you can't get authenticity and kindness from a cast if it doesn't exist in the set 
You know, you can't have like yeah. horrible people telling you what to do and, and, and come and have people seem like they're getting along. So it was apparent that there was a lot of kindness and camaraderie within the cast. And what's been really cool is everyone I've talked to, I've heard some story about them having some interactions with Ellen where like Ellen really like made everyone feel at home in the same way that the makeup team seemed to, you know, bring in all the, all the, especially your work to bring in all the extras and like, you're what you, you know, you're welcome here. You're part of this world. And I, I think that just, it's very apparent. And when you watch that show that you can feel to me, I could feel that, that camaraderie yeah. and kindness. And that's really what makes it really authentic to me. I feel like that show, as much as it's kind of exaggerated, it's, every performance is very authentic, in my opinion. I've seen a lot of movies that that are period pieces, and, and they can be done horribly. But you know, this one, even if the show sucked, I would have loved just the makeup and the and the and the how how well how well you handled the time the time period. And the costumes are are pretty right. epic. I mean, yeah. everything. It was just so very like well done and real. It wasn't. I don't know. You see a lot of movies yeah. that, that take place in the eighties, and you could just tell it's. And then when you realize like the work you did, the, the process, like if you you know you say you think of like Carly, when you realize what what you know that she was able to like mm. pretty much map out everything in her head to communicate with yeah. people, and and it, you know like holy fucking shit, like that's again genius to me. It wasn't just me. I had a. Uh, there were uh, about five makeup artists that I could not have lived without. One of them was Tanya Verna, who took care okay. of all the hair for me. Like yeah, okay. I, while while I was running around, um, you know, trying to get all these people through makeup, she was the captain of all the hair pieces. Nice. So you know, it's it's pretty intricate putting hair pieces on people, keeping them on people because their background. You're not, you know. You, they don't have a personal makeup artist, but also getting them back at the end of the night and having them ready to go the next day is just, a feat that is. Just real quick, how large? It seems like uh, Carly was head of the makeup and prosthetics, correct? Yeah, she was head of the whole the whole show. Like as far as makeup was concerned, it's Carly. right, right. But what I'm yeah. I'm curious is how many people were on that team. What was the what was the overall size of the team? I, I know it changed, but I'm just curious on like it, it, it absolutely changes every day. She had two uh, full time makeup artists who were I'm honestly not clear what their titles were. Like, what, if it was a key or assistant co department head or whatever, I, I I'm I'm not sure. You're talking maybe 30, 30, 40 people overall at the, at the highest at the highest number the amount. I, I want no. I want to say my busiest day was twenty six makeup artists, and then you could probably ah, uh, you know what, thirty five for sure. Wow, that's pretty. That's an impress. That's I mean, that's an impressive. And, yeah, and again, to, if I had twenty, if I had twenty six, Carly will have had you know a good eight. She already has three, and we have a PA. Um, so that's four like full time plus me and Tanya also full time. So every single day without fail you've got six people and in your other work with other shows is anything compared to that no i mean i and i've worked i've worked on big shows before i, I i've done brad pitt movies i've done a whole bunch of stuff so big background days are super interesting and how they're run like it, it has to be a military operation almost i mean some 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 shows just make them digital <laughs> you know I, I work on All American. I can tell you all about a digital crowd. Uh, like, it's the worst. In, 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 but we do football. 
So I, I don't mind it so much as a football right. kind of audience because I understand the cost of 1,500 people every day, dressing them, feeding them, all of that. I, I, I get how that could work out not to be cost effective, but but in any other situation, absolutely not. I'm totally against AI. <laughs> I just love that at this time there are still you know, movies, shows that are going back to like 80s, you know, the way that it was in the 80s where it's practical effects, it's physical effects. Yeah. Um, and again, that just speaks to the artistry behind it, which, you know, which I think obviously was very understood by the, the whole team of creators and Ellen and everybody else, because that's apparent that that's that it was an important, it's almost a character in its own in this. And, 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 you know, you've got to think about Transpo as well because of all those cars that they were bringing. And the fact that when you look up a street, like in, in an opening scene, what is set in your mind? Do you know what I mean? Like right. how much are taking subconsciously? What kind of cars are they? What is their hair like? What is you, you your, your brain automatically makes these assumptions without even realizing that you're making them. So you see these cars these outfits you see this hair this makeup and your brain is like oh 1970 1980 oh this is you know they're wearing juicy tracksuits it's early 2000s and you know these things that are subtle um indications of where you are in your show what what the time period is what the vibe is where what the neighborhood is i mean for me in season one it was the dick bell i love the dick bell because it just was really representative for me of everything yeah. and every time sang it it was like a a cool like they're succeeding even more there are all these little things that make it like these little tiny nuanced things that i think are so magical what do you think the the period the costumes and period pieces and all the, and the nudity like what do you think the, the authenticity of that really did for the actors if, if anything i mean i think it gives them uh there's a a is it a liberty or a, a, like a freedom? We're, we're kind of uptight, especially in America. Yeah, I guess I guess for me, you know, having done like theater and shit, I feel like when you walk into a world that in a movie set that feels like it's 1970, it's going to it's going to make it feel real, in my opinion. I could be wrong. Oh, it abs- I mean, it really does. And when you when you put in all the background, I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking specifically of the office because it's such right. a buzzing environment. You know, like when you walk walk out of there, the back walls of that are just like plain brown wood. Okay. And then you walk through this archway and it's like Willy Wonka. You know, there there is a, you're you're right. There is a magical thing that happens when you walk into that set. Yeah. And and it feels like you're in a real place. You know, that's the, the, the magic of TV is that, you know, you're basically on an off ramp of the five. And there's a car crushing company next door that are crushing cars every five seconds. But, you know, we're just going to make a TV show. And to me, because I'm kind of anal, like I'm, I'm a little bit on the spectrum and I'm just like an anal artist person. Like when it when you can tell it's not real or there's something that I'm like, oh, they wouldn't be wearing that. It just kind of kills it for me, at least, the, you know, when, it, when you can tell like the, the yeah. time wasn't put into it to make it accurate and authentic. It's, it's just like, why do you make it with a massive tattoo or a nose ring? Right. And I'll look for that it, shit. And I'll be like, it oh, ruined yeah. it for me. That ruined it. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it does. Those fake eyelashes. It really you does. Know that that didn't then. So you know, it was. We were really strict about that. Like, I sent more people home for for not wanting to cut their nails or not being able to take out these ridiculous piercings. Like, 
You have 17 piercings in one ear. I can't, I can't use you. Why would you even show up to that? If, 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 that, if you're trying to do a 70s period piece, why would you even show up if you have that much? So the questions uh, uh, that we constantly ask, uh, you know, you're, <laughs> right. you, you, you can send all the material that you want. And to be honest with you, we send very detailed information. My thoughts are is that it gets put to the bottom of the pile with COVID. You know, like right, once, you've, right. once you've read through all the COVID stuff, I mean, I, I just think they switch off after that sometimes. All right. Well, it was great. Z, it was great talking to you. Thank you, my dear. No problem. I hope that I can't wait to hear it. God, please make me sound good. <laughs> Hey, how's it going, man? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Um, well, so I'm, I'm curious. So, um, do, I mean, you you mostly do prosthetics in your company. Yeah, that's what we do. We do special effects, makeup, prosthetic creation, bodies, everything. And just to kind of keep to the theme of of Nix, have you done other work with? Uh, I, I know you guys. I thought you guys had used the Tommy Lee penis. Right. So have you done other projects just handling like, you know, doing more uh, genital prosthetics? Yeah. So in the last couple of years, this has become a real popular thing, man. It's like, um, which is really. <laughs> dicks, are, dicks, are, dicks are back. Dicks are back in fashion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it started for us. It started with Euphoria. Uh, they had called us and they wanted us to do some some prosthetic penises. And um you know, it was the pilot episode, I think, of Euphoria, where uh, the guys, um, he's, you know, he's, they wanted to see him taking a leak, and they wanted to see him have an erection, flaccid, that kind of thing. So those are different penises for different things, right? Right. So we started with that, and then those were well-received, and Euphoria became well-received. And then, you know, I, I did another show called Pam and Tommy, where... Um, I, you know, we made a girl look like Pamela Anderson, and then Tommy, um, obviously, is well endowed. So we had used, um, we had created different penises for that particular show. So we kind of innovated a few things that really helped us um, understand as far as fit was concerned. You know, uh, generally the problems with like penises and stuff like that are when you know you have a penis and a pair of testicles sculpted usually it's sitting on top of the junk of the actor right right and it pushes everything out so it kind of looks like a fucked up ken doll sometimes <laughs> so what we decided to do is we i i, I figured there's got to be a better way to build a mouse trap here so <clears throat> what i figured was what we'll do is uh, we'll create uh, pockets we we did a system called coring out the penis and coring out the testicles and that allowed us create a sleeve, if you will, that the actors can slide themselves into. And that got us closer to their body. Now they don't look like a fucked up Ken doll. And it looks like they got a big Johnson, you know? So the trick of all these things really is, is like, you know, like Pam and Tommy, they wanted that, they wanted homeboy to have a conversation with his cock, you know? And it was like, so, you know, you're, you're, you're creating something that can go from flaccid to erect and, you know, has all the mechanical abilities to do that, but he's also got a shit ton of cables coming out of the back of his leg, you know, but most times they, they, they don't want that. So it's either they're flaccid or they're erect, you know, and, uh, and we did a lot of stuff for, for, for minks, for Carly, 
most likely, be, mostly because they were erect. I mean, this is about playthrough and that kind of thing. And they want to show a lot of that stuff. And, you know, a lot of fellas just aren't as well endowed as they'd like, you know, <laughs> most of those models, you know. So we did a lot of that stuff for them. And, uh, you know, like I said, we were able to innovate a lot of things. Uh, and now uh, I seem to be the dick guy, you know. <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm, kind of cur- I'm curious on your relationship with you know you don't think you've named necessarily but different actors and you know what their responses were like you know where did someone's like hey can you know make this thing big or like i'm okay you know kind of use my own like did was there was there just like guy politics that kind of came out yeah. in terms of dealing with the actors and i don't want to i don't really want to name names because i don't i don't want to like shoot no, 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 no. There, there, of course there always is i mean anytime you're dealing with something you know as ego driven as the size of a cock i mean you got you know you're, you're definitely you know as a man i mean you know it goes from you know it's all anybody talks about when you're a kid you know it's like yeah. making jokes about it or whatever so there's a lot of like you know delicacy around the whole thing but i think that most actors who come to us and they're we're fitting them for it and everything they're you know at first they're kind of like hey and they make a bunch of uncomfortable jokes and things like that but i think once we get it on like you know because they realize that like I don't need to be in the room while they slide themselves into it. So I don't need to see their junk. Right, you know? right, right, right. And, and so I think what they start to realize is they're like, oh, shit, this is like a, a garment. You know, I don't have to be hanging out on set all day. Like, you yeah. know, it can now become part of the joke instead of having the insecurity of everybody looking at their real dick, you know. And now that they have a fake dick on and there's still there's still some sort of privacy to the whole aspect of it. They're not really naked, if you will. I mean, you can see their ass, but... As far as the, the you know the rod and berries, you know everybody's <laughs> everybody's all right with it because they're like, oh right, no, nobody really knows the size of my dick, you know. Um, and I think that there's a little privacy in that, and I think that that's that that offers a lot of security. Um, I always try to talk to them, you know. I get the director, I get the producers, I get what they want, uh, or the makeup designer like Carly. Um, I get what they want, and then you know you have a conversation with the actor too, and you know you want to make sure that they're comfortable and. You know, and hey, can it have a little bit of weight to it? So there's a little bit of swing or hey, can it have a. And so when you realize that, you know, and and, and when they come in, you know, we're kind of making jokes about it. We're having a good time with it. But it's it is, uh, you know, and when and then once they know what I've done and they've seen the body of work, it's I think there's a little bit more security there. You know, what was um? I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that we're not just a bunch of uh, creeps. What was like uh, if you can I'm curious on like a challenging moment. And, and and maybe a funnier moment if you're if you can share. Yeah, the biggest challenge of Minx is was that uh, was the time period. It's the hair, right? Um, of course, you have to get a bunch of people uh, to to agree on a size, right? That's always fun because it's like everything. It's like when you ask somebody something, okay, yeah, it's fine. But when you ask them to look at it and approve it, because you have to mold it. Then everybody gets around the table and looks and says, well, maybe this or maybe that or maybe it's that sort of group thing. And you're just like, it's it's amazing. It happens with everything, including penises. But, you know, uh, so getting everybody to agree on a specific size, a specific girth, a specific, you know, uh, what it's supposed to do, specific veins, you know, it becomes this like uh, it becomes this study of um, 
of, uh, of anatomy, but also it's a good social experiment because people have this sort of thing in their brain about what a, what a red cock should look like, you know? Like, obviously you can't use the same penis for everything. So how do you, what's the process of like having some fair way to figure out who gets what? Well, we've got a dick catalog, which has different, <laughs> <Sorry>. right? <laughs> we have a dick catalog, dick catalog. erect cocks, you know, flaccid cocks, this size, that size. Um, we create custom cocks, you know, I mean, all sorts of shit, you know, so it's like, it's one of those things where you, you start off by that, like, okay, you want to, you, you said you want a, a nine inch dick and you wanted a wreck. Okay. Let's talk about girth. So I'm able to send them examples of things, you know, and have somebody have a hand around it or have something in there for size perspective, too small, too little, too this, too that. You know, and the biggest challenge of any of these things, like I said, is to get the whole group of people to uh, agree on, you know, soccer, all that stuff, veins. Um, I find it amusing that I work with a lot of female department heads like Carly and, and um, you know, it's, uh, you know, we have a good fun time talking about it and everything. I just love how most women dive right into it, you know, whereas most guys are kind of like, well, you know, man, you know, and but most women are just like. I think it's got to be like this. It's got to be like that. And it's got to, you know, this with the shaft. You're just like, Jesus, <laughs> you have no problems talking about this. I'm curious real quick on like the legal aspects of yeah. general male nudity in, in say rated R films. And also like, the are there any like laws around using prosthetic penises? <clears throat> no, I don't think there's any laws. Um, I think right now, you know, why there's an influx in prosthetic penises because there's been an influx in male nudity, but there's also been an influx in specific character attributes, you know, um, like if, mostly if something needs to be erect on set, you know, nobody wants to have an erect actor on set, you know, I don't think there's any, there's no law against that or anything, but in, in today's environment, you know, you, you also don't want to open the door for, any HR problems or any of that kind of thing. Political or like political problems with like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, ridiculous, so it yeah. just solves the problem having a fake dick on them, you know, because then it's fake, you know, the erections fake, the flaccidity is fake, all whatever. It's all fake. The size is fake, closes the door and then legal doesn't have to worry about it. So there, there's, there's that aspect. And I, and I think it, the other aspect is, is just the environment that we're in when there's nude scenes or there's naked scenes or there's intimate scenes. Having something between the actors is a good thing. There's another level of protection. You know, we have a lot of intimacy coordinators now uh, that come in for a scene and talk to both people to make sure that the woman is indeed happy or uh, okay with what's about to happen because a lot of actresses have said that... Um, They've been in situations where they've been forced to do certain things that they didn't want to do. And, you know, we're in an environment right now, as we should be, um, where some of that stuff's been called out. So I think that that having this uh, is an extra level of, of protection for legal, for the studios, for the comfort, for the actors, and, and that a conversation ensues and people aren't being pressured to do something, you know. I want to ask you a general question as it relates to Minx. You've been doing this for like a long time, correct? Like 20, 30 years? Yeah. It seems like for the show, at least, that you're we're going back to like practical effects, like, and I love that because I mean, I I'm, I grew up in the '80s, and I just feel like, you know, CGI just looks like bullshit. So I'm just curious on, on like if you've seen like that, you know, again, just 
try we try to tie it in the mix we can or, or or whatever but just have you as you have you've seen that over your career like what do you think is why is that happening now why do you think we're coming back to more practical effects my perspective is this you know i think that people have seen the fantastic you know you know whether it's been the matrix or whether it's been the marvel movies whether it's been that you you know none of that stuff feels real anymore it doesn't feel tangible it feels like anything could happen at any time and people can divide gravity and all of those other things so as a film goer i think that you know, and then specifically after COVID, I don't think that anybody was, I think people were a little bit more grounded, right? And so I think that there's twofold to that question. One is we've gotten better, right? Materials have gotten better. All of us have gotten better in high def. Everything looks really good. Uh, that's one. So they can pass the mustard test for being real or mustard test for being real. And then the second aspect is um, that people want tangible things to interact with. If you're saying this guy's going to have a CG erection in the mix because we're just going to do it and see song on him, you know, and all that other stuff, then you don't get circumstantial sort of things that happen in those moments. You know, you don't get things that you don't get, um, you know, people riffing. You don't get things that that are that are gold. If it's a comedic scene. You know, having the actual unit on the person and interact with the other person, there's a tangible thing there. They can now address a tangible thing. And so things come out of that, right? Uh, great material comes out of that that may not be on the page. Those little moments that make watching something unique and, and original and everything. Whereas if it's more calculated and CG driven, you know, you have to hit your mark here. You can't, you can't you know, do this, you can't cover it this way, you gotta, and it limits everybody. So now they're making a real sterile product. They're not, it's not an organic process. And I think that that's where we're, we're going back to is more of an organic process because people have been saturated with the other thing, you know, and we're also getting a lot more directors that are like, yeah, let's, let's, let's minimalize this thing. Let's bring everything back down. You know, let's not rely too much on CG, you know? So I think that, you know, for something like the Minx, you need the organic process, right? I feel like it seemed like the authenticity of of making sure everyone felt at home and how people got along combined with the authenticity of all the, the makeup and you know, the fact that they dressed like all the extras and as yeah. if they were like, just was so smart in creating that world. And it would have, anything that wasn't real would have just stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah, and, and it puts everybody in that environment. And so you really get you get to mine the material while you're in there instead of it feeling like it's a very two-dimensional cardboard cutout, you know? What was it like just to be on the set, like just as a, as a human being? I actually never went to set for Minks because I had four projects going on. So um, <clears throat> I will say that we did do, I did have to send somebody down there one day because um, <clears throat> there was an erection issue. <laughs> We all, it all happens to the best of us, you know? Exactly. So uh, the, the, the weight would not sustain on its own. So, you know, we had to, we had to have somebody go down there and put a wire in it and go around, you know, but the, the conversations that morning between me and Carly were just uh, hilarious, you know, because she would call me and she was like, what do you suggest if we're having a little bit of lagging, like a little bit of weight? And I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe I guess we could put a wire in there. And she's like, yeah, because I think they want full staff, you know, and I was like, well, you know, realistically, you're never really full staff when you're on your own. You got to be, and, you know, we go into the whole sort of situation of like, you know, 
obviously Carly doesn't have a penis. So, you know, we go into the whole situation of like, you know, nobody's walking around like that. You know, it's like, it's always kind of at an angle, you know, it's like, <laughs> I said, there's a hinge in there, you know? So stuff like that, where you're trying to figure out these last minute issues, going down there, throwing a rod in the cock and, you know, making it, getting the shot. Throwing a rock in the cock. Um, in doing the, I guess we have one more question I will call it a day. In, in doing all that work, around like, you know, penis prosthetics, was there something you invented, something you kind of figured out, like was there anything new that kind of came out of all that work in terms of your own process? Yeah, the, the biggest new thing is how we do them all now, which is we, it's a coring system that we put in there that like I, like I said, that, that, that allows room for the actor, no matter what size the actor is, to slide into that. So now they're wearing it as a garment rather than wearing something on top of them. And it also it also allows them to put it on themselves. Hey, go behind this curtain, slide yourself into that, come on out, we'll glue the thing around, and nobody's got to look at your, you know, <clears throat> your berries. Um, but uh, that, you know, has helped us with both intimacy and uh, giving the actors a little bit of privacy because it used to, it used to be us just gluing on top, you know, so everybody's seeing everything. So that, that, that helped us innovate that, the comfort level. As far as the erection stuff was concerned, um, inventing a, a system that was born out of the story I just said about being on set and you know uh, talking to about the erection that allows us to change the uh, pitch and the elasticity of the penis as far as it being angled down and up. Uh, it's, a it's a separate pocket for a, a pole to slide into, a, a piece of armature wire to slide into that, that can then get production the, you know, what they want. They want it like this. They want it like this. They want it to the side. They can do anything they want now. That was all born out of a necessity, you know, and a necessity from Minx, you know, with all the crazy pubic hair. Curious on like the span, like what is, what is the smallest one? Length and thickness and to the bottom and top. What is your, what are your offerings in we go from the offerings of catalog as we go from micro penis, micro phallus, which is about an inch. Okay. I'm sure many people uh, want that one, correct? That's oh, usually yeah. <laughs> uh, to inches to five inches to six inches, which is about standard six, six inches. And then we start going into our monster cocks. And it's like, you know, it gets to be, you know, you got the Tommy, we call it the Tommy. Uh, which I believe is about eight and a half. And then um, you've got, then you, you start getting into the ridiculously insane, uh, which goes into, you know, 10. So it's like, it skips every two inches, I would say. And it goes from, it goes from one all the way to about uh, 12 and a half. And like, what, what kind of research do you do to figure out, like, I mean, imagine also there's all kinds of like weird shapes, there's curves, like, What's your research like in figuring out the types of penises that exist? Well, I just go into the bathroom. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff online, man. You, you know, a great sense of uh, resources, uh, erectile dysfunction sites, you know, okay, where they show different penises doing different things and, and that kind of thing. And you, uh, I mean, you could find a penis anywhere. People love to show their penis. There's a website we came across with people putting penises in shoes. That's a fetish. They like to put penises in high heel shoes. It was a great sense of resource though, because you're like, oh, I can see the shoe and I can see the size reference. So, you know. How many of these have names that you've given to them? Only the Tommy, just because it became so prevalent that it was like, it was like, you know, because Tommy's penis was world renowned from that video. And, you know, it kind of 
game like, oh, that's the Tommy size. And we should give them all names, but I'm afraid, you know, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what I would, I would call the one incher. <laughs> right. I also wonder if people, I don't know, I feel like for the humor end of it, if I was, the actors must give little nicknames just as a joke to get, you know, I'm curious now. I want to, I want to figure out who had, who had, if anyone had any chosen names and what they were, and that'll be a separate. I don't episode. know. If I, if I was wearing one, I guess I'd call it the Jason Jr., you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason, man. It was really good. I really appreciate you doing this. You as well. You got it, man. Anytime, just uh, if you want to do something in the future, just let me know. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Um, such great people to talk to. Gave me really a lot of insight in terms of the detail and the research that went into the show. Uh, so impressive. Um, if you haven't listened to other episodes, we have one with Carly Herbert, makeup department head, uh, Ellen Rapport, creator, director, writer, Eric Edelstein, Willie, Sam Levine, Franco, Lenham Parham, Shelley, Rich Summer, who played Lenny, Oscar Montoya, who was Richie, Stephen Tabulowski, who was Conrad Ross, uh, Jason Collins, who did Prosthetics Season 1. We just talked to Jason Hammer, Prosthetics Season 2. We just talked to Z and Levi, Marie Schley, who did Costume Design for Season 1 and 2. Um, we talked to Brian Rose, Jackie Westfall, and Jack- Jacqueline Newman-Dorn, who also did uh, music. We speak with Mason Flink, who is a writer and story editor. Shlita Bouchamp, who is a fan and a magazine producer based on Minx. We have an episode with the fans. We have an episode of similar stories related to the time frame and the subject of Minx done by Risk Podcast that's run by Kevin Allison. So we've got another three coming out, maybe some more. Um, I can't wait for season three to come out. The show is just getting its stride. The show got kind of, wasn't treated super well by uh, HBO Max. And then right when it came out again, the strike happened. So this show has not had the best luck, but it is amazing. Go buy it. Uh, go buy it on, go rent it on Stars. Um, you can get it for a few months trial, whatever it's cheap, but it's a really great show. So please go get stars to watch both seasons. You will not regret it. Enjoy and thank you.